Kleenex box for me in case I get upset. <laughs> I can get there quickly enough if I need to. I, we might be okay. Good morning. Ah, Nick. So here's the big ideas. So buckle your seatbelts because it's going to be, it's always different, I know, but it's going to be different today. It's going to be a bit different because here's the big idea. It's either a fearful thing or the best thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Okay, that's part one. But because there is more to life and death than just salvation. Here's the big question. How do we make it the best thing and not fearful? And then the big answer is to have endurance, to not shrink back, and to do the will of God. So on thinking through this, um, it's easy sometimes as a Christian, even subconsciously, to not worry terribly much, terribly much about sin or holiness because we think to ourselves, you know what? God's going to forgive me eventually. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to turn out great because God loves me so much that he forgives, and he does that's clear throughout scripture. It's a big thing. Uh, but then, does sin actually really matter? And the answer is actually, yes, it does. By the end of, of, of our time together, you can understand, hopefully, kind of what, one of the reasons, and it's a scary reason, why it actually does matter what we do. So, this is a bit of a rougher sermon than usual, so there's three things I really want to us to remember as we go through this. Thing number one is that Jesus loves us and cares for us more than we can ever possibly comprehend or understand. That's thing number one. Jesus loves us, always has, always will. And Jesus also has a plan for our life. Um, we are in the palm of his hand. Nothing can remove his love from us. So that's thing two, that Jesus loves us. He has a plan for us. And thing number three is that even if we're receiving God's discipline, it's for our good, for our long-term good. And God's good is the best that we could ever hope for. So that being sort of the foundation, that's sort of where we're starting from. On, let me give you a scenario. Let's say that I have a chat with my doctor. Uh, and by the way, I have a skin exam coming up in a couple of weeks, so we'll see what happens. Anyway, so let's say that I have a chat with my doctor, and he says, you know what, I have some, uh, I have some potentially bad news. Do you want it? What he knows is that I have cancer. No, I don't actually have cancer in real life as far as I know. No, no, no. But, but he knows. He knows I have cancer, uh, and it's dangerous cancer, but that there is a cure. It'll be uncomfortable. It'll be unhappy, but there's a cure for it. Now, what do you think? Do you think that I would want to know this information? Yeah. Um, would I blame the doctor for that information? Yes. No, I, I, I would not. I would not. Okay. So 
on it. In other words, please don't blame the messenger. Please do not blame the messenger for this because it's going to be one of those sermons. It's better to know but uncomfortable to hear because it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing. Other translations put it terrible. It's a fearful or a terrible thing into the hands of the living God. Uh, now, we could easily try to discount this first, saying, oh, it only applies to non-Christians. But in context, in the context, it's clear that the writer of Hebrews here is speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers. And yet he's saying it's a fearful or a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let's go back in time for a little bit. Imagine a 20-year-old Brian Pyle, <laughs> kind of geeky, kind of fun, a little bit too adventurous for his own good, maybe. And on, by the way, my parents usually watch this online, so if you don't already know this story, I apologize in advance. On it. They probably do, but it's going to make them nervous. Okay, so I wanted to go somewhere fun, and so... Uh, here I am, 20 years old, my third year in college, and I decide that I'm going to be an exchange student for a whole semester. And where do I decide to go? Not Toledo. No, I go to Guam, like in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, way, way past Hawaii, almost as far as you can literally get from here. Like it's really, really far from where I grew up in Delaware. Very far. So I go there. I'm taking classes. I also get a research assistantship in marine biology, so I was getting paid to scuba dive. It's a bit, oh yeah, I'm having the time of my life. And so I'm scuba diving here and there, do, doing things to, terrible things to fish underwater on a regular basis. And so on a, a friend of mine says, hey, you wanna go scuba diving? And I was like, sure. So we grab our gear, we throw it into the back of his, his, of his car, and we head about 20 miles, sort of into the middle of nowhere. We find the beach where he wants to go. And we go out into the water, and it's nighttime. Now, I don't know if you like to swim. I don't, yeah, nighttime. I, I don't know if you like to swim. How, how many like to swim? How many of you have ever gone snorkeling, like on a coral reef? Very, very cool. Okay, so coral, have any of you gone snorkeling at night? Some have. It's a different experience. It's an extraordinarily, amazingly different experience. And so uh, all the invertebrates, like the non-fish things, all the invertebrates come out. And so you can see all kinds of fun, cool stuff that normally you would not see during the day. So it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile. Um, and, and my friend has a spear gun. And he sees some big, huge fish. And he's off like a rocket chasing this fish. And we're about 20 feet down. And he and his light disappears. And I'm just myself um, in, in, on Guam in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, very far from home, uh, on a beach I couldn't name, uh, and that's the time that I saw a large shape go past. And it was, oh yes it was, it was a shark, and that lovely shark and I spent a good solid 15 minutes together him just slowly circling around me at night by 
by myself, very by myself, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, like this shark just sort of swam around me for now. I have all my fingers, I have all my toes, I'm still alive. <laughs> now I'm getting nervous again. Come on. So, yeah, it worked out. He eventually swam away. I got on shore. I eventually beat up my friend. Everything was fine. It was all good. It was okay. And, but when I was in the middle of that situation, I realized that I really needed to rethink my overall decision-making paradigms. Because they, uh, and also, I realized in a gut level that I was not in control. I have teeth, but not like him. Not like that guy, okay? Uh, I can swim, but not like that guy. I was not in control of that situation. Now, God was gracious. He was merciful. I'm still alive, blah, blah, blah. But still, I was not in control. And then a little bit later, uh, something extraordinary happened. On it. I don't know if you know what a logarithmic scale is, but like a, a, a two compared to a one is ten times. A two is ten times number one. A three is 10 times number two, so a three is how many times number one? A hundred. A four is how many times one? A thousand. A five, 10,000, et cetera, et cetera. So put that logarithmic scale into, in, into your minds on it, and then uh, apply that then to earthquakes because the Richter scale is a logarithmic scale. And while I was there in Guam, where the Marianas Trench goes way down to the depths of who knows where, and two tectonic plates are like smashing together, on th there was an 8.2 earthquake. While I was there, um, I can just imagine what my parents, who are like observing this right now, I can just imagine what they were thinking and feeling at that moment once they heard something had happened. It was awesome. It was amazing. I would not have missed it for the world. It was so cool. I was just dancing on the lawn. I was like, yeah. I mean, really, it was 60 seconds of pure fun. Um, everyone else was freaking out. But, but I think, frankly, like my faith actually allowed me to enjoy what otherwise would not have been an enjoyable experience. But again, I was not in control. I was not in my own hands. I was in the hands of something else. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, an, of the living God. Eventually, everybody at some point has no control. Even though we're fighting for control from the very first moment, like an infant, think about it, from the very first moment, wow, give me some food, wow, I'm cold, wow, I'm wet, wow, I'm too tired to sleep, which I still don't understand. Um, and then when you go to a toddler, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. You've had that, it's actually mine, even though you have it. Give it, it's mine, it's mine. Um, when you go through middle school, because I'm teaching middle school. Oh, I don't even want to talk about middle school, okay? Like the quest for control. But that continues through high school and college, uh, it, it, through marriage and having children, and retire, job, retirement. Like thing after thing after thing, we are trying to gain more and more control over our life. But at some point, everybody will lose all control. All control will be gone at some point. 
It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The last time I preached, we talked about love and respect, how we are to love and respect each other, and the differences between men and women are vital to our growing relationship with God because on, we are to grow in both loving God and respecting God because he first loved us and he first respected us. We know very well here in the church about the love of God. That's how we're saved. He, God offered his son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know that God loves us. On, for God shows us his love in this. While we were still sinners, did not deserve it, Christ died for us. God shows his love for us over and over again. We accept Jesus. Entrance ticket. Heaven. Woohoo! Yay. Rock on with the new life. Whatever that means. I still don't know what that means. Um, but the ticket to the ball is just the beginning. What are we going to bring to the ball? Because through the door, even though the doors are open with love, God respects us with free will in how we use the gifts and the resources and the talents that he's given us. Not long ago, Ocala had the fine, uh, the, the fine arts festival, uh, which was glorious. I enjoyed listening to Grace Christian School's choir when they were singing. I also enjoyed walk, walking around and looking at all the kids' artwork. And I really, really enjoyed noticing on it that Elijah, my son, his art wasn't where it was supposed to be. And we were searching for it and searching for it and finally saw that um, where it should have been, that there was this, just this little sign that said, first place. And so we went to where the middle school uh, like finalists were and he had won first place. He's still, he's still flabbergasted. He's like, I didn't think it was that good. What in the world? Like, he just doesn't get it. He's very, very confused about this all. But like he, like he did some amazing, amazing work. His work then like, was seen and appreciated in a very awesome and unique way. So think about it this way. We have been offered our ticket to a heavenly art show, but our art is going to be judged. What is that art? What are we being judged on? Our art is the work of our hands, what we've done with the time, the talent, and the treasure God gave us. Father Don says, that, uh, says once in a while, there's two questions that we get asked at Heaven's Gate. What are those two questions? Question number one, remember? Uh, what did you do about my son Jesus? And what was question number two? What did you do with what you gave me? That actually matters. It's not what you do with what you gave, what, uh, what did you do with what God gave you? That's not a question of salvation, but it's still really important. Second Corinthians 5.10, um, and before and after says this. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, that being God, for we must all appear all, 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 
must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. Our actions will be judged. Even we being held innocent, still our actions will be on trial. Not for our entrance to heaven or hell. Like that, that's already been decided. In other words, we won't be able to control what God sees and judges concerning those actions. Because our sin and our righteous deeds, they matter. On, I had the great joy of accompanying Bar- Bernardo on about, oh my gosh, it'll be 15 years ago, roughly, on in, to, on to, to Guchigalpa in Honduras. And we went to the institute where we were mixing cement to help them build their new building which was so overbuilt that you could you could like slam it with a tank and it wouldn't move. It was like ridiculously overly engineered. And so we're mixing cement by hand, which was really lots of fun. And there were folks from uh, uh, both Honduras and all, also some other countries as well. Uh, and Bernardo, as he's talking to them, um, and like he's doing some observations, and he notices that the people who were not from Honduras did a lot of swearing. But the people from Honduras did not. And so later, he went up to one of the Hondurans and he said, you know, I noticed that you guys don't swear. Like, why? Like, what, what's the deal? And the Honduran said, we fear God too much. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay the foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. uh, Just a quick reminder, that's the difference between building on the sand versus building on the rock. We definitely need to build on the rock. If we're not on the rock, then when the waves come and the winds crash, it's whatever that is. Anyway, it's bad. It's bad, okay? But foundation on the rock, which is Jesus, okay, we have part one. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer a loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I would love to ignore this part of the Bible. I would love to, to, to certainly not, I would certainly love not to have to preach on it. I'm like, Father Don, why are you doing this to me? Why, why this Sunday? Why this particular Sunday? But we, but we have to face it together. This is why it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
This was written, again, specifically to Christians, followers of Jesus. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Though this is all confusing and difficult, I do believe a couple of key things. Thing number one is that we're not speaking about like a multi-multi-year purgatory situation. Thank God, literally, for the thief on the cross. Thank you, God, for the thief on the cross. Because he lived nothing good up until the last instant, and yet what did Jesus tell him? Today, I tell you the truth, you will be with me in paradise. Today. That's great. I am very thankful. Okay? So the fact that Jesus said today to this thief, dying right next to him on the cross, is very comforting. In other words, like, it is never too late. It is never too late. Um, But also, number two, the second big thing is that not only what we build, but how we build also, though, matters. In other words, the reasons we do the things that we do matters to God. So, what are we to do? What is our response to all this going to be? Let's go back to Hebrews and see what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. So, starting in verse 35, it says this, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So we need endurance. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Um, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So three things in there. Endurance doing the will of God and not shrinking back. So let's look at each one of those in turn. So firstly, we have need of endurance. Why endurance? Endurance is required when the outcome is delayed. Say that again. Endurance is required when the outcome is delayed. This is particularly difficult in this wonderful culture of Amazon and Netflix and almost everything like that is that we see one way or another is based and built on instant gratification look at practically any commercial and you will see there it is promising in one way or another instant gratification even when we feel like we're doing the right things for the right reasons we have consistent battles with discouragement when we don't see the fruit of our labor right away but god calls us to faithful endurance. Uh, The second thing is that we do the will of God to receive what is promised. Doing the will of God is paramount. Giving God control in the now that we might be blessed in the later. Giving God the control of the now that we might be blessed in the later. What does it mean to do the will of God? listening to God's word, listening to his voice, being obedient to those things, this leads to holiness as we are set apart by God for his purposes and for his pleasure. 
because God is most glorified when we find our pleasure in him. And then also the thing about shrinking back. How many of you have ever played a contact sport? Football, um, lacrosse, some, some of you. Uh, even baseball, I think, in some ways uh, would, would, would qualify, or softball. Like if the times that I've managed to get myself injured playing something like this is when I'm shrinking back. Like that's a great way to get yourself injured is by shrinking back. Oh no, there's a baseball coming in. Or, oh no, there's a linebacker coming in. I mean, <laughs> I was playing tackle football in the snow in Pennsylvania um, about 25 years ago. And I made the terrible mistake of catching the ball. <laughs> terrible mistake. Because on the other team was a guy who played for, had obviously played for his high school on team and also his college team. He's like built like a brick, one of these guys. And he saw an opportunity and he took it and he took it. So anyway, uh, it didn't matter if I shrank back then or not. But anyway, it, 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 was, it hurt. I'm just saying it hurt. So if you've ever played any contact sport, the path to the most pain is when you shrink back rather than facing your opponent. 1 Corinthians 16 uh, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Stand strong. As it says on the plat on the in entrance to our sanctuary, what does it say? Stand up for what's right, even if you're the only one standing. Let us not shrink back. Because life is hard, and we, and we face many opponents to the gospel and to the kingdom of God. We need to unite to oppose evil in all forms to stand for truth. Because it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Fortunately, we are not alone. In Philippians chapter 2, it says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my absence, but much more in my, sorry, not, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if we stop there, that'd be bad. But it goes on. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to act, and uh, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We're not doing this on our own. Even though our works are going to be judged, we're not trying to do this just on our own strength. When we keep our endurance, when we do God's will, when we do not shrink back, we do have the absolute and everlasting joy of pleasing our Creator and the work of our hands when the tested does last. And it's not a fearful thing then to be in God's hands as we hear the best words ever. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
that's what I want to hear, and I pray that that's what everyone